Hi, I'm Justin King, and welcome to the Blue Chip Academy. As a five-star recruit, all Big Ten corner, NFL vet, and Power 5 recruiting coordinator, I understand the emotions that go along with the recruiting process. The Blue Chip Academy is here to provide education, critical insights, and mentorship through the recruiting process for families and athletes alike. When athletes and their families have proper education and guidance, they're able to make better decisions and set themselves up for long-term success. Blue Chip Academy provides the resources and information that empowers athletes to create their own blue chip blueprint and take ownership of their careers. Blue Chip Academy exists because when athletes and their families are armed with the right information, they're able to make the decisions for themselves that positively impact their future. Again, I'll be your host, Justin King, and welcome to Blue Chip Academy. Welcome back to the Blueprints of Success interview series, providing unique blueprints, tactical knowledge, and best practices to navigate the critical points in the elite sports ecosystem, making a change today so athletes and parents can prepare a plan and a career path that any athlete can bank on. So like I said, stepping outside of the scope today, outside of the football world, and our guest today is a professional soccer player and founder of a financial literacy company, a frugal athlete. Getting drafted out of his freshman year at UCLA into the Major League Soccer as a part of the 2010 generation Adidas class, he amassed over 200 appearances in all competitions professionally and honored to represent the United States national team and program at uh, various youth levels, including the 2012 Olympic squad. Born in Hayward, California, to Nigerian immigrants, oldest of four siblings, he holds a master in sports law in addition to a bachelor's degree in organizational leadership and development with a minor in business administration. Man, 30 for 30, uh, Forbes 30 for 30, 30 under 30, uh, two class of 2021. Let's welcome Amobi Akugo, man. Welcome, man. Thank you so much. How you feeling? I Good. love that intro. Appreciate you. Man, no doubt, here. man. I got to get some context. So like when we've been taking the journey through success or the blueprints <laughs> of success, got to understand, you know, a little context of where we're going about. So like I said, this is an exciting episode for me, just stepping outside of my comfort zone a little bit, kind of second nature with football, asking questions and like kind of the different things. So you might have to school me a little bit about everything from the soccer perspective. What advice mm, would you definitely. give your 15 year old self um, to prepare for the elite athlete journey in the sports sphere? Oh, that's a great one to start off. I say what I would tell my 15-year-old self to prepare for the journey ahead is double down. You know, if you think you're working hard, you know, you got to work twice as hard because if you think about it from a like a overview standpoint, you're only excellence through exposure. So you're only focused on like, all right, I need to be the best on my team. But there's someone in, I, I was in California, there's someone in Florida. Then if you expand out, you know, soccer is the global game. There's someone in Argentina, there's someone in Nigeria, there's someone in England. So it's like, it doesn't matter what you're doing. There's always someone that is potentially looking to take your spot. Uh, so double down on, you know, the sacrifices that it's going to take, the discipline that it's going to take, the the focus that's, that's going to take, the extra work. And, you know, really just double down. I love that, man. Double down. And you like brought up an interesting point when you said like soccer is a global game. Because, you know, I growing up, I used to always think the same thing, right? Like, all right, I'm working hard. And I was like, I had percentages. And I used to, until you said, I started thinking about players in Argentina. Like, I would just think about United States. I'm like, all right, don't think about this city. Don't think about this coast. Don't exactly. think about this region. But I didn't leave the United States. That's a different mentality when you're thinking like, all right, I'm going against people across and, and the whole world, right? Like an international mm -hmm. game. So that's amazing. Just double down, especially from like a standpoint of sports and soccer, where it's like a high skill thing and just always refining those, those skills. So we jump into the recruiting process, man. You can school me a little bit about the differences in football and soccer. Cause I know, you know, I mean, when I was training in Dallas, we like trained with the Manchester United junior team, 13, 14 year old guys that were signed and different stuff like that. How was your recruiting process in soccer? 
So mine was very unique. You know, I had the fortunate opportunity to go to the residency program, which is essentially the U-17 men's national team program uh, where we locate and reside in Bradenton, Florida, and then use IMG uh, Academy's facilities to train, eat, sleep, everything soccer. It was essentially boarding school for the U-17 men's national team. So after I spent time there, my recruiting process got a lot easier where schools were reaching out to me instead of me having to do like the visits and, you know, the applications and different things like that. So I was very, very fortunate Uh, for me. I, me and my parents decided that I was going to stay in California. So that kind of made a funnel for the schools that I was going to reach, like going to be talking to or negotiating with about where I was going to play collegiate soccer. And uh, from there it was, you know, trying to find the best fit for me. So I visited the four schools that I was thinking about at the time, it was Cal Berkeley, Stanford, Santa Clara, and UCLA. And then from there, based on my school, um, trying to figure out the like the, the credentials that I need or the certificate, not the certifications, but the application requirements that I would need to make sure that when I do work out my uh, verbal commitment or my actual commitment that I was going to be in good standing to make sure because you can commit, but still not get accepted to the school. So ah. making sure everything was situated on my end, had to take the SAT scores and all, do all the stuff that I needed to do, and then kind of go from there. And then I am eventually committed to UCLA, and uh, the process uh, was done. That's awesome, man. It's crazy that you say that, Like where it's like you can commit to a school and uh, get an offer and still not get accepted. That happens very, very rarely in football, right? If they, give, yeah. if they offer you, you get in. Some strings could be pulled unless you're just like a, a terrible student. But the schools yeah. that you named, I can definitely see that. You know, Stanford, Cal Berkeley, and UCLA. Uh, so you say I got. You say you got separated in, like down in Bradenton with the the national team. Would you say that soccer does a good job like separating like elite players at a y- young age? They do a pretty good job. You know, the United States is so big, so it's not like you're going to be able to get the exact top forty kids. Okay. On a day-to-day basis. And then also everyone develops at different times. So you could be the top player freshman year, but by the time senior year rolls around, um, there's a whole plethora of new guys that have, you know, whether they developed physically, you know, whether they just, you know, had a nice little development phase in terms of form and technique. Um, so it's always constantly changing. But in terms of like the mean the mean of talent, you know, across the board, they do it. They tend to do a pretty good job of identifying talent early on, saying that they have a, you know, a, a high probability of taking it to the next level. And then out, after that, it's, you know, kind of the mental aspect and the things yeah. that they do off the field. That's that's amazing. So what what is it that they see at such a young age? Because, right, you see you hear about football players getting offers at a young age and there's so many things to do with like just size, speed and just yeah. natural things that come with it. But like the skilled players, like you see guys getting signed across seas at 14, 15, like you said, get put into a, an elite program. Is, is it because it's such a skill based sport or like how are they separating guys at such a young age? No, that's a great question. I think it's a combination of things. Well, specifically in soccer. Yeah. You know. The physical attributes matter, speed and agility matter, but it's how you process the game um, that matters the most. So if you're able to process the game at that young age and like kind of handle the speed of play and like the game kind of moves slow for you. So if you look at the top guys across different sports, you know, when they talk about like the Tom Brady or the Michael Jordans of the world, they're like, yo, 
the game's going 100 miles per hour, but in their heads, it's going like 10 miles per hour because they're just able to process where things are happening, how things are happening, where plays are going to go, and be able to replays. So from a soccer standpoint, at a young age when, you know, whether it's college coaches or scouts or professional teams are um, scouting these young guys at 13, 14, 15 years old, they're able to see like, all right, this guy gets it. He's able to see five steps ahead. You know, a good player can see two steps ahead, but the great players are like five, seven, ten steps ahead. They can pick out patterns before it even happens. They know how to get themselves out of different difficult situations on the field. And even if they're not ready from a physical standpoint, like they may not be big, they may get pushed off the ball, uh, they may not be as fast, they're able to um, they're able to still perform at a high level because of the way they, you know, position themselves, the way they're able to, you know, get out of pressure, different things like that. That's 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 an amazing like juxtaposition when you think of like AAU basketball and you see guys coming out and it's the people that it's a game where it's more street ball, right? Where you talk about yeah. less technique, less uh, passes or things like that. But like that's the area in basketball or seven on seven in football where guys are getting identified at an early age. But you're saying in soccer, it's kind of like it's the knowledge of the game. Like you're kind of being judged yeah. on your soccer acumen to an extent. That's kind of inverse from like the basketball and football. Interesting to hear you say that and how they it's identify. Like, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. No, it's, it's how they like, identify like how they identify like the different players. <laughs> yeah, it's almost like Jokic. Um, he just won MVP. Like if you drafted him, you're like, uh, and then he gets on the court, and it's like his all his skill work allows him to translate and be very successful. Uh, I don't want to liken it to soccer from the standpoint of like, all right, you can't judge a book by its cover, but skill and like how you're able to read the game matters a lot more. I, I would I would agree with you. We talk about international basketball players. You bring up Joker. You bring up uh, my man down with the Mavericks and like just like their level of basketball acumen coming from international. We talk about soccer being an international game. I mean, just kind of based on skill and technique or game planning being more of the uh, predominating critical yeah. factor of success, right? When you think of you know football, uh, basketball. You got freaks or some, I mean, yeah. sometimes just physics can't really help yeah. you. Right? Like, <laughs> yeah. it's, yeah. it's a, Speed kills sometimes. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, so with that being said, like, I guess, how did you know it was serious? Like when you were getting selected to go to the school in Bradenton or when you got selected to go down to Bradenton, um, were you already in the mentality of like, man, soccer is what I want to do. I want to take this thing serious. Or was it kind of, you just kind of going through the so steps? So it wasn't until... Yeah, it wasn't until I got invited to uh, like the U14 national team. That was like the very first inaugural national team camps where it's like, oh, okay, like now I'm starting to realize like this is a potential opportunity. People are starting to like notice me. And then once I got invited to residency, that was like the game changer for me. Okay. Uh, just because of like the talent that's been there before. Like It's almost like, you know, the success rate of like if you go to Harvard, then you'll be able to, you know, whatever, be more successful. That's kind of how it was in residency. It was kind of like a springboard to, you know, for sure get a college opportunity. And then from there, the rest is yours, like how you take advantage of the opportunity. So once that happened, um, I knew that I could touch it. And like being able to touch it gives gives you like that extra motivation of, you know, doing the extra work that you need to do to hopefully achieve that dream or uh, like actually grab that that thing that you have in front of you. Right. Um, but growing up, it was more like, all right, maybe you could possibly get a college scholarship. Obviously, you're going to stay active. You're going to build some relationships, build some friendships. But outside of that, that's 
it wasn't until residency that it, things really kicked off. So residency. Okay. So it's like getting selected into that special group, almost like when guys transition to IMG, for for example, exactly. like if they get recruited down, it's like, all right, in the big leagues now. So with that being said, what drew you to soccer over the more frequent sports growing up in California, right? Like football and basketball, yeah. baseball per se. Oh, uh, well, I'm first generation Nigerian American. So, you know, our, my parents played, my uncles played. It like, you know, I grew up, I was born in 91. So 94, you had the U.S. Olympics, Nigeria was in it. You had the 96, uh, sorry, you had the 94 World Cup, Nigeria was in it. You had the 96 Olympics, Nigeria won it. So growing up, even though I was like very, very young, uh, I could just recall, you know, watching the watching the games, having them on the VHS, VHS tapes. And yeah, soccer was for sure going to be the first sport. And then everything after that, uh, I played basketball, I played football, I played volleyball, even did track for like a week. But <laughs> soccer and basketball was the main was the main drivers. Oh, that's awesome, man. That's that's great. Because like you talk about that, I mean, soccer is a fun sport, man. I know one offseason in football, we had a strength coach that was like, put out a soccer ball to help us with our footwork. Oh yeah, smart. Have fun with that soccer ball. I used to, you know, at Penn State running around like these guys doing these these campus runs. Man, that's the only thing that kept me away from soccer was just the running. Like I was just like long distance running, right? Long distance running. But we talk about the speed, skill, and all that. The more I learned and got older, I'm like, hey, there's a sport over here. We can kind of whatever. (laughs) We talk about that later. (laughs) Definitely. So did you feel like I mean going into the residency? Did you feel like the recruiting process like accelerated your maturation process? Oh yeah, most definitely. Most okay. definitely, like because you have to take a you have to you, you can't get hand you know, it can't get coddled. Like you have to take an, a proactive approach. Like if you really want to go to the school, you're gonna have to be the one that's talking to your counselors, talking to your teachers, making sure you got all the um, things for your application. And your parents can only do so much. And you know, especially specifically with college, not a not even to talk about the pros, they want to be able to you know count on you because you're gonna be at school by yourself. Your parents are not gonna be able to go to class for you. They're not going to drop you off. You kind of have to take the initiative. So taking the initiative with the recruiting process, obviously you need to have expertise and insight, but also showing the coaches or the staff that you're able to do that and like kind of take care of yourself um, definitely prepared me. Oh, that's, that's like amazing because you just talk about all these different sports and it's about when you talk about capitali- capitalizing in a sport, regardless, like when there's cash at the end, it's, it's like it's a very intentional journey, right? Like you exactly. talk about being mature, uh, emotionally, uh, intellectually in the game, being able to trust your parents, be able to trust you and all those different things. Did you personally feel emotionally prepared? Uh, yes, just because of residency. Like okay. I I had to, I, like I was living in on my own when I was 15. But that's what know. I'm saying. So residency was, it's Florida, right? Yeah. Florida. Yep. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. So like, yeah, yeah. I mean, are you ready to live by yourself at 15? <laughs> yeah. So, and, but the thing is like, cause it was like, we were with a bunch of other kids in the situation. Like not only obviously residency, we were the top 40 kids playing soccer, but the, under the whole ecosystem with IMG Academy, you had players that did tennis, you had uh, golf, you had a bunch of, whether they're elite athletes or athletes of very, very well-off parents that sent them <laughs> to the school. Um, but we were all like kind of in a situation like we're on our own, Obviously, we have like chaperones and counselors and staff and all that, but we're all here for the same purpose. So it made it a little bit easier instead of just like where you imagine like, you know, young guys going over to Europe and like trying out for a team by themselves. It was a little bit different because you kind of had to share the journey with other people similar to your situation. 
that's 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 amazing like insight there and when we talk about that this might i mean i don't think it's off base but like how many what was like the the ratio of like black to white players when you were down there in terms oh, of on, on your team on our team uh oh that's a good question i would probably say if there's like probably there's like 40 50 people uh with the like like 12 to 18 12 to so 18 like two, yeah were most of those too bad no, it was pretty ahead. diverse it was pretty diverse i'm not gonna lie okay okay yeah, and yeah. were most were most of the kids like like you parents uh kids of immigrants or were they americans uh we had yeah we had a couple first generation african americans like parents immigrated from africa then you had um a good amount i would say of like the 12 to 18 i would say 65 percent were first generation um african americans where their parents came from africa whether it's nigeria ghana congo whatever um and then the rest remaining were uh black african americans like you know was there was there a place in the states where they were coming from like the ones that were american or just uh, now nah, all over all, all over. over i know uh, in terms of like hotbeds florida texas have a high um uh, ratio of player soccer players that okay. play um uh, even though those are both football states as well but right uh we did have a lot of players from florida and texas um but all over it's talent's gonna be everywhere gotcha gotcha that's interesting y'all you hear guys hear that man talent is everywhere so just keep going especially he's going with the mindset of playing against the world (laughs) (laughs) you know you got to have that mentality you know what i mean so when you're in when you're at the residency and different things like that how informed did you feel about choosing your schools like it seems like your top choices had that academic spin on it but how informed did you feel so from a residency perspective not too not well informed you know so luckily my parents were like yo we're gonna we're gonna narrow it down you've been away we're gonna make sure you stay close to home so all these schools that are reaching out, like, that's good, but we're staying in California. So that kind of <laughs> helped the process. And I think with any young athlete, you have a process, whether it's like, all right, if we're football, I want to be an SEC. All right, do I want to be an SEC North or SEC South? I'm not even sure if that's how the categorization goes. East-West. Um, <laughs> but it was East-West? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> SEC East, SEC West. <laughs> But like trying to figure out, all right, what le- what conference do I want to play in? What coach do I want to play for? What type of system am I playing for? Does the team I'm going to have a lot of like freshmen and sophomores or do they have juniors and seniors? That's the difference between, all right, am I possibly going to have to redshirt or am I possibly going to have a better chance of playing? You know, different things like that. I'm not even talking about the education side. Like, does the school have my major? Does it have, if I want to be in a, you know, fraternity, does it have a fraternity that I'm passionate about potentially stepping in? Uh, How are the counselors? How the, like, these are all questions that you have to have, uh, all questions you have to consider. But the first one is like, where do I want to play? And for me, it was in California, staying close to home. Obviously, I chose UCLA. So it was like the farthest, but the closest school at the same time. Um, But just trying to figure out that. And then kind of going from there. And then especially now, I know you'll probably touch on it with NIL taking charge. Um, all right, what school, because the school can't really do deals for you, but what school is going to help you um, from an educational, informational standpoint to maximize your NIL opportunities? So these are different things that um, I had to consider. But obviously now it's even a whole different ballgame with the amount of resources being poured into co- collegiate sports. 
Man, very well said, dog. So when you say you decided to go to uh, UCLA, was it only because it was the furthest away from home, or like what did you base <laughs> that? What did you base that decision on? Because like Stanford, Cal, UCLA, yeah. man, those are good schools. No, nah, so great question. So UCLA for me was the best of both worlds in terms of Westwood. You know, yeah, <laughs> yeah, the education they value it. It's like top five public university year after year. But also from a standpoint of sports. Um, they do a great job, you know, top talent has come there year in, year out, uh, living in LA, just the network and, you know, you go on campus. The one thing the coach said, if you don't want to go to UCLA, just don't go on an official visit. Cause once you get on <laughs> campus it's game over, it's over. Uh, it's over for you. So like location, just the vibes, education, it was like the best of both worlds. And I consider myself like a jack of all trades. And UCLA is like what I consider like the school where it's a jack of all trades. Obviously, Stanford, Cal, any school is good if you make the use of it. But for me at that time, uh, UCLA was a choice and I probably would do it 10 times over. <laughs> I love that, man. You say that because I was out in UCLA, standing around on the campus, like right yeah. on Wilshire and like walking around yeah. through there. Yeah. And I was thinking, like, man, there's no way I could have been in college. And, like, this was just right here walking around. Like, there's no way. Like, yeah. I just would have made so it. How are you like, supposed to stay focused? At, no, that's my but, whole thing, man. Yeah. You're focused. So I knew coming in, I was like, I put me in the middle of nowhere. Put me in state college, man. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. <laughs> were you thinking about your, like, I mean, you said you're a jack of all trades, but were you thinking about your post-career, like, post-soccer career when you decided to go to UCLA? Yeah, so that uh, that definitely played a role. Like, if I was going to be here all four years, uh, I would definitely want to be in UCLA, you know, uh, just from the network standpoint uh, and then just the opportunity from a sports business, business perspective, entertainment, you know, L.A. LA in general, but UCLA, I feel like it's just like the springboard for everything that I wanted to do and I'm, you know, fortunately doing now. Top-tier dichotomy of everything that you're looking for. Like, that's, yeah. Yeah, that, that's, that is top-notch when you're thinking about that. How are the visits in soccer? Like, I mean, I know in football you take five, kind of wild over the weekends. You know, that whole yeah. is it the exact same in soccer? Or yeah, it's similar. You're 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 able to get five official visits, and then you know usually spend a weekend, you know, time in, with the home game, and then one of the either like the senior, uh, not the seniors, but one of the you know um, current players on the team will show you around for the weekend. Usually, it's the um the popular kid on the team or the kid with uh um some good resources you know whether through his parents or just you know and uh they show you a good time hopefully convince you on the benefits of going to the school and uh butter you up a little bit in terms of you know why you need to go here your top talent and then you know the rest is history gotcha gotcha so the 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 talent acquisition process is Still the same, trying to get you to connect, yeah. get a, good, good players that like minded around you, feel like you get, feel like it's home. They already had you, man, with all the other stuff going on. It's not exactly. hard at UCLA. I got a lot of friends out here that get out there and it's like, man, I was about to commit on the spot. So we talk about just finishing up on the recruiting process. What was one key takeaway that you would share with anyone to better equip themselves going through the recruiting process? I would say you got to ask questions because they can tell you everything, but if you don't ask questions on your own personal, it's easy like to, a coach is going to tell you what you want to hear, but if you come in asking questions, you can kind of like, I don't want to say like back them up into a situation, but you can get confirmation, you know, oh, you said this, but I saw this and then ask them, 
and you know how depending on how people answer and you're going to get your real you're going to get the real response that you want i think that's a great great answer because especially we just talked about like the business of sports being shifted yeah. down with nil and like how you need to approach it everybody's saying like guys get to pay you're a business you're this and like the part of handling your business is asking the tough questions going yeah. over your stuff the right way and that's i mean i look at the letter of intent i mean the letter of intent is a piece of crap in business but like in college it's it's the letter of the law so that's like your contract. So when you're going to school and you're like looking to see before you sign that paper for the next three to four years, man, ask the tough questions. Make sure that you're navigating the waters with information so you're not making emotional decisions because it is right. a 30, 40 year decision, not three, four emotional on a visit. So that's a great insight there. So you end up going to getting drafted after the first year at UCLA. We got a one and done here. You know what I mean? <laughs> so, <laughs> so how was that transition like to college soccer from coming from the residency? So um, it was great. You know, I had the fortunate pleasure of, you know, playing at a high level at a young age. So the adjustment wasn't too much. It was more on the school side, like, you know, having to wake up. I made the mistake of, you know, signing up for 8 a.m. class early thinking. I was like, oh, yeah, it's like regular school. Yeah, you just show up. And I was like, oh, wow. Um, yeah, wow. <laughs> it's early. Uh, but you, you adjust and then, um, you know, being able to kind of be self-sufficient and self motivating and self uh self-discipline i think uh, was helpful because i had the homework and had the preparation through residency and just being on the youth national teams um so for me i think that uh helped my transition and which led me to have like a pretty good freshman year um other than that it's easy to get distracted a lot of players like a lot of top players they go to college in that first year they struggle and it takes them a long time to adjust and sometimes people don't adjust and they end up like oh whatever happened to this guy whatever happened to that gal um it's because you know they couldn't handle the balance of you know it's school sports social personal development all the things that you need to consider you know to succeed at that high level but you know for me it was a great adjustment and then once i made the next jump to pro it was a whole completely different adjustment which um you know was an adjustment within itself but it was it was a beneficial one as well. Yeah, it sounded like you were prepared for it because like I like when I talk about just transitions, like really leaning into them and being prepared. Like I went to college early in January, trying to get a spring ball underneath me. So like when it was time to come, like you said, I had a goal of playing as a freshman. So I was like trying to work, you know, manufacture success backwards. Like all right, do I need to get there early to get there. I want to play both sides of the ball. Like and getting there through that transition is just a, a big piece. Did you have a welcome to Pac-12 moment? Uh. Oh, that's a great question. And welcome to the Pac-12 moment. But what I will say before that is, though, I love how I didn't realize why football players did that. And I think other sports need to incorporate that going to school a semester early. I think it's okay. uh, a, a different I think it's a different philosophy that needs to be definitely implemented across the board. When it comes to the welcome to the Pac-12 moment, I think it would probably be um, college uh like alumni day because that was like the day we did our hazing thing too and uh i know we can't touch too much into that but uh well, it was cool. interesting we school <laughs> yeah <laughs> We're, it was interesting because like the history behind this program that you're representing like it was cool to have all the people come back and represent the school so like understanding that it's kind of bigger than you from the standpoint of like you're not only representing yourself but your your community your school and this is a legacy that you're part of this family forever um no matter if you play just your freshman year if you play all four years if you win a title if you don't you're part of that legacy 
Um, but then also like adjusting to your personal values versus the values of a team, especially when it comes to the social setting. You know, there's been guys that, you know, feel like they're alienating themselves because they may not do certain things, like whether it's partying, different things like that. Um, but if you look at it from a from a standpoint of like standing up for yourself and making sure that you like express your thoughts within the group, they're going to respect you. And if they don't, then that's their fault. So that was like my welcome to Pac-12 moment. That's, that, that's pretty cool. I like that aspect of like there's later legacy silos, right? You go to these schools yeah. and like you're about to be a part of a group that's a long history of people before you. It's going to be a long track record of people after you and just making sure, not even making sure, but like to have that connectivity throughout to get the benefit of going to college, right? Because like that's like exactly. the nucleus, whether it's business connections and different things like that. That's one of the biggest, largest benefits when I think of the NIL and just like these legacy silos that can be created. Like started something at Penn State, locked down you with the DBs, trying to create that thing within a position. Football is a little bit more vast across different positions, different personalities, linemen, the DBs, whatever. Yeah. But same aspect because it's powerful. So we get oh, back okay. to yourself, entrepreneur like yourself in college, you know, everything's talking about NIL nowadays. What would have been your strategy? You're in college right now. Oh, uh, I'm like, I'm, I wish I could like go back in time. UCLA, NIL? Oh, I'll wow. Here. Give them yeah. some game, man. You know, these nah, cats leaving doing, some coin on yeah, the table. I would have been doing like, I might have I might have stayed all four years if that was the case, to be honest. <laughs> um, I would have been doing camps. You know, sometimes it's all about location and being in Westwood, near Beverly Hills, near, you know, affluent neighborhoods, being able to share my experience as a youth a uh, men's international player playing at a high level at UCLA, being able to do camps to affluent parents, kids, something simple. And then, uh, then I'll hopefully eventually build out a digital program. So I don't have to be outside every day, outside every day. Um, yeah, that would have been, yeah, I would have been a game changer. <laughs> no, that's great. No, that's great. I mean, that's a good, that's a good answer. I mean, yeah. just getting straight to it when you just talk about like the camps, right? Where the guys are going around, you know, yeah. that there is, players that are trying to get to college and different things like that. I always like the the merch ideas too, when you're just trying to get into those ecosystems where people are supporting yeah. the supporting the university. It's like, hey, just the same type of shirt and all this goes here. But yeah. nah, I, I, I mean, I love it though. The camp stuff, uh, Sean Clifford at Penn State, I think he had a quarterback app and he's actually started his own NIL group called Limitless. Shout out to oh, yeah, Sean Clifford as a, as a starting he's quarterback. He's taking, taking a real proactive approach. I love that. Absolutely, man. So you talk about getting drafted, man. What's the process of getting drafted in soccer? Yeah, it's a little bit different because, you know, soccer is unique in the fact that it, from a global perspective, you have players signing in South America or Europe or Africa, wherever, at 14, 15 years old. And, like, while you could do that here now in the States, it's a little bit different because we have the college system. So there's a draft every year. Usually it's held for seniors. Um, you know, they'll get – invited to a combine uh, from there, you know, the interview combine prep, and then you get drafted. But because there are now initiatives to entice younger players to go out uh, in the draft early, um, there's a generation Adidas uh, system where, which is what I signed. It's like, basically they increase your salary and they have a reimbursement for school to, you know, allow you to leave early and not feel bad about it. And then you have like the MLS academies that have homegrown contracts and stuff like that. So the draft is really unique, but from the standpoint of like um, 
how you can compare it to like an NBA or NFL. It's similar. It's just that uh, there's no restrictions in the sense of like, all right, if I go to college, I have to wait three years uh, like in the NFL or um, I have to either go pro as a senior in high school or I have to go after my junior year like in baseball. It's almost kind of like similar to NBA where you can kind of go one and done. You can kind of go whenever you can do academy. So there's a number of different mechanisms. Um, but from the standpoint of being a senior, it's, uh, you know, hopefully you do well. You get invited to the combine and then you get drafted from there. So that was my next question was the talent evaluation like protocol. There, there is a combine. Yeah. So the combine is based, and it's, it's tough because of soccer, right? You can't really it's right. not like you're going to do passing drills. So they have like about three to five games throughout the combine. And it's basically like rotating different players. It's almost like it's almost like a basketball thing where you're doing like pickup games and you just oh, like people are like seeing running, each other just running and just seeing what it is exactly and then like throughout that. the yeah throughout the the duration of the combine they now they do like different tests like speed and agility um and then you'll also do like interview prep with different coaches that may be interested um but it's not like you're doing the wonderlick test or anything like that now is there any prep for that like you know like there's you know a big thing in the Football industry is draft prep, right? These gyms are making $20,000 a head for, you know, getting guys ready to sign their big contracts. Is there any type of situation in soccer? Whereas- no, not really. And okay. that is a good business that maybe we have to talk about offline. <laughs> but it's just from the standpoint of soccer, they're doing so much research from before. Like uh, while they're 13, they have like, all right, he played for this club. We've been seeing him. He's been a part of the MLS Academy. Now he's playing here. We've been watching his games throughout the season. Um, and then off season, everyone's so like dispersed and there's kind of different things that you can do from a soccer training perspective that isn't really conducive pre-draft. There's only so much you can do. Um, it's like, make sure you stay fit, make sure you're not injured and make sure you perform well because the draft It's not like, all right, if you don't get a 40 time, then you're going to drop 10 spots. It's basically, if you play well, you're good. And it just confirms Uh what we already know. Man, I know football players don't don't get excited now. You guys, if you guys want that, go play soccer because yeah. football, they they want to look at those numbers sometimes. But that's interesting, man, when you say that because it's like it gets back to the critical factors at the beginning when they're identifying um, soccer players young, and it's like their soccer acumen or how they exactly. maneuver throughout the game. And I mean, the athletic ability kind of picks up. But we always talk about football players that play fast typically know what's going on. You know what I mean? So you can have a mm-hmm. fast player and play slow because they're second guessing or they're slow processors or whatever that may be. Did you always have an interest in like, like finance and business, like going to the, going into major league soccer and that whole situation. I always kind of look at it where people that have an interest in business, they kind of move a little different once they become a professional. Yeah. So for me, I studied business econ at UCLA and then uh, ended up finishing with my my minor in business administration, major in uh, organizational leadership. So I was always interested in business, um, just, you know, being able to, you know, see the sacrifices of my parents to put me in different situations uh, growing up in California, uh, just intrigued by different business ventures or what people were doing from a business perspective. Right. And then, you know, once I came into my own money, it was like, oh, yeah, I'm trying to make sure because business can be forever. And the best thing about business is like, I want to say the best thing, but because it might be like a a diminishing mindset, but you could be the thousandth best business person in your city and be very, very successful. The thousandth (laughs) best, the the thousandth best soccer player, uh, and you're playing in like a Sunday men's league. So, uh, you know, business is 
endless possibilities and it's forever. Whereas sports, it's, you know, based on how long you can play, based on coaches, you know, that likes you, GM that wants to pay you, you know, all these different factors that you can't really control. Whereas business, you know, obviously you got to provide a solution, but the endless possibilities of what business could provide. A hundred percent. I completely agree. And I love that you <clears throat> put it that way where it's just like, yeah, if you're the thousandth best business, like you're probably doing pretty well, but if you're the thousandth best football player, yeah. uh, it's like a big difference, man. Or soccer player for that matter. So like yeah. we, I know when I was in the league, we used to get the uh, like the Rob Report magazines, and it was always like the soccer players, right? Like, <laughs> and we used to like so for us in the NFL, we used to envy like the soccer players because they had you know whoever the big time soccer players yeah. already. But it was I mean the 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 cars, the cribs, like <laughs> it was a different level of stuff. So like we yeah. never like in our mind, you only see thirty for thirty, and it's like football and all that good stuff. Did you feel like comfortable with your money? Is that like a thing that talks about in soccer? Like hey, financial literacy and things of that nature once you get to that level? So, yeah, we they talked about it a little bit. You know, we a had the, like, the, the standard like preseason financial seminars, but it wasn't as proactive as, as it is now. It has definitely like gone up. Um, but, you know, soccer in the States is different, is different from soccer on a global landscape. Okay. Um, so that's kind of the biggest thing from that standpoint. Um, but I always felt pretty comfortable. Obviously, there's always things that I needed to learn, but I was always frugal, so I didn't really spend money. Um, so from that standpoint, I felt good. But it was interesting to see different players as I got older and signed new contracts. Like, you know, they always say, like, income creep is a real thing. And, like, as you go up the ladder, there's different there's different levels of money. And to be able to see it, like, you think you're making money, but you're not really making money. Like... Yeah, it was it was good to see and um, kind of learn a lot. No, I would I would definitely second that, man. I had the worst thing I ever did in the league was asking one of them, like we had a franchise player one year. Let me see your check, man. Let me see that real quick. Hurt my feelings. I was like, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> like there's there's things I, that uh, people were doing that I couldn't do, and it's like if I'm trying to keep up with them, oh, it's bad for me. It's a bad. And I ball, just yeah, man. sometimes you have to learn the hard way. No, so with that being said, what was your first major purchase after you got drafted or got some coin in your pocket? My first major purchase? Uh, well, I didn't I didn't get a car until my second year. So I guess my first major purchase was putting my signing bonus into a CD account and uh oh, the back counts. Yeah, that wasn't that was like good. That was like my best and worst decision. Um, because it was good in terms of not spending money and saving it and figuring it out, but in terms of like rate uh, return on investment. It's, I mean, it's a CD. You don't really get much. Right. Uh, I bought a car. Uh, my first car was nice and simple, Honda Accord. But I, uh, I, I think I got something for my family. Like, we needed something. Like, I don't even know. It wasn't nothing crazy. Nothing crazy. So that's, yeah. that's what's up, man. You came in with the right mindset, like you said. You got the whip, got, got your fable mm-hmm. straight. Like, frugal athlete. I mean, that's, exactly. you started a company with that. So we'll, we'll get into that. But we talk about, like the transitioning up, like how different was the speed, of, like the speed of the game, right? Like all these things are moving yeah. around, like actually on the field. How different was it once you got to the pros? It wasn't too different, to be honest. Like obviously there's just like a level of speed of play that increases, but it, it took me like a couple couple weeks to adjust. It's just like the intricate details off the field, like how to take care of your body to that next level, how to, you know, make sure that you're going to be ready for two a days at that next, that next level. Because – 
yeah, you can do it for a week. You can do it for a month. But can you do it year after year, day after day on a consistent basis? And that's what, you know, the, the true adjustment was for me. Uh, I think the biggest thing was understanding that, you know, some people are here to like put food on the table. It's not just like, oh, we're here, we're on the team and we're trying to, you know, win the championship. It's like, no, this is my job. This is how I provide for my kids. Like, um, so if you're here to mess around and do this and do that, go somewhere else with that. Because after a loss, it's like, all right, I might get cut or I might lose my playing time. If I lose my playing time, I lose my bonus. If I lose my bonus, then I got to, you know, so that, that mindset versus like, all right, in college, we win, we celebrate, we lose, we celebrate by drowning our sorrows. Right. Nah, <laughs> it's not like that uh, at the pro level, which was uh, eye-opening to see. And uh, it was good because I'm competitive. So it, it was helpful to see it firsthand and like right off the bat. Yeah, I definitely just agree. Like I like, I'm going to keep drawing comparisons to football. But just like that was my like my most enjoyable time playing football was in the NFL. Like that yeah. ultra competitive. There's never like a oh, uh, you know, coming up in football if you're not in the top. It's like if you get beat, it's like oh my god. But if you win, you're supposed to win, right? So it's like yeah. always. But you can get to the league, it's like you're playing best on best and everything. You're on exactly. the edge like every time. And so I was like, I always like reveled and enjoyed that. I had injuries and stuff, but. That was always the best when you talk about that. So we'll go into a quick LIG read. One second, like brief break. So this episode is brought to you by Blue Chip Academy. Does your son dream of playing college football at the highest level? Or maybe they just want to maximize their time playing sports? Are they are you giving them every chance to succeed? Don't be left in the dark with his future and during this critical part of his football career. That's where we come in. The Recruiting and Football Business Masterclass, a comprehensive course that walks you through the entire recruiting process and football ecosystem so you can help your son navigate the waters and identify the critical factors for making the right decision about his future. And his future is just as important as yours as we'll show you how to make sure that your hard-earned money isn't wasted on programs that won't break him success. During this masterclass, you'll talk about how the student athletes are being evaluated, how to navigate the recruiting waters, how to navigate the new normal of college sports, the co most common mistakes that are made by parents, the blueprints of success so that every stance you get, ninth through 12th grade, you're making the income, uh, making the jumps that you need to have. And 23 videos taught by me going through the complete ecosystem and NIL and everything that goes along with the process, just top to bottom, everything that you need to know about the recruiting process and football so that you can get into the captain seat and take advantage of this aspect of your career. Let's jump back into it. Yeah, yeah. So, ma'am, so now jumping back into this, curious, do you still run around and play a little bit like soccer? Of course. Yeah, I can't get rid of it. Yeah. Oh, man. That's great. Like, I'm always jealous when, you know, I see Hoopers get done playing. It's like, oh, I could just go play pickup. You can't really get done. You see some cats still yeah. trying to play flag football or it's just it's just not the same. Do you play in the league? Uh, I play, yeah, in like a MPSL league. My old coach growing up, he had like a – like he he waited like a couple weeks. He's like, yo, uh, I know you're done. You're back in town. You want to play? I was like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I can't make it to all the games, but if I'm in town – Count me in. Count me in. So do yeah. soccer players really transition out of playing? Nah, to be honest, not really, because you can always play. I think uh, when you transition out, it's you're either over it or, you know, you've dealt with some injuries, but there's a chance to play. It's anything but the treadmill, you know, being able to, you know, get out, run around, kick the ball. Um, the worst thing that can happen, knock on wood, is, you know, getting injured by someone that is not at that level but wants hey. to prove themselves. It's almost Try like hard. playing. Yeah. 
playing pickup basketball and you got the guy that thinks it's like the NBA finals trying to dive on. Like, we're here to have fun, you know, get a sweat, get some touches. We're not going to the World Cup. Word, word. That's, that's, that's real. I was in Costa Rica yeah. during the World Cup and we were on a, uh, like an ATV ride and I jumped off. I was like, I'm playing soccer, man. I thought I had some sweet feet. I'm like, oh, they do this all the time. It's yeah. <laughs> like you just say, like, I'm about to get somebody hurt. <clears throat> and I hate being a, I hate when unathletic things happen on the field. If anybody knows oh, like, football, oh offensive right. linemen fall. Like, don't talk. I, I just don't like unathletic stuff. So I felt unathletic running around with them. So sometimes with soccer, I could see that playing pickup being a fear. <laughs> <laughs> so what did you definitely. hear about, my bad, did you hear about any uh, financial horror stories in professional sports? Like in uh, soccer? In soccer, I mean, you hear you hear some stories, you know, that just go around the league and stuff like that. Nothing too crazy. I mean, the biggest ones were from the Thirty for Thirty Broke documentary that I listened and heard. Uh, but from a soccer perspective, it wasn't too crazy. I think because soccer in the states we don't get compensated nearly as much as the other leagues. Mm-hmm. I think everyone has like a back in their mind mindset of, all right, I got to be smart and I got to understand that this is not going to last forever, and I'm going to have to do preparation to you know, find a job after. Not to say that the transition is not just as hard, but, you know, when you go into the mindset of like, all right, this isn't going to last me forever. Um, you do know that you need to take steps to prepare um, for when the time comes. No, that's definitely, that's definitely true. And I think it, it's interesting when we just talk about the transition process and it seems like it, it was not easier for you, but it was like a little bit more like a roller coaster type, not roller coaster route, but like a smoother transition because you could still kind of get that out, right? Like that exactly. to play. Because I hear football players and like, how's the transition? It's just like, boom, you're hitting rock bottom. So, like, my next question was like, during that transition process, how hard was it for you to feel like you had to transition from a soccer player to entrepreneur, right? Where people still saw you as like that athlete. Because sometimes football players, you get kind of stuck in this thing where yeah. you have to rebrand yourself a little bit. No, you're exactly right. I think the best thing about my personal situation is that I started doing it while I was playing so that when I was officially done, they were like, oh, okay, it's not surprising. He's already made those steps and uh, those inroads to make sure that people can see him as, you know, an athlete entrepreneur, but now entrepreneur. Um, I think a lot of times, like you said, people will try to pigeonhole us because, like, oh, I remember you. You was playing, you know, Friday Night Lights, Sunday, Sunday football, or you was playing Saturday soccer and then now you're trying to do this like all right so now they're like all right what credentials do you have i only know you as a soccer player but um i would say to any you know athlete start planting those seeds while you're playing so that when you're done they're already harvested and they're already grown because of the you know inroads that you made while you were playing yes that's a that's a great great suggestion like just because like and doors are open when you're typically a player like that's when people exactly. want to talk to you like when you start transitioning out and old coaches like actually can't really yeah. do something for me. You get hit with that hard truth of like, all right, this was a mutually beneficial relationship and I don't have that same value to you anymore. So get into it. Where did the uh, inspiration for the frugal athlete come from? Or let's just talk about that a little bit. Yeah. Nah, thank you. So I've always been interested in business and finance, but when I saw the 30 for 30 broke documentary, it was like, all right, I want to find role models of athletes that I could use as inspiration for my own career. And um, as I did more research, I couldn't find any. It was athletes that were anomalies, like athletes that are going to be good no matter what. LeBron James, Kobe Bryant, rest in peace, Tom Brady, Serena Williams. Um, So I did more research and it was athletes that I was trying to avoid, you know, similar to the broke documentary. Um, This athlete lost a lot of money for that reason. This athlete, you know, found themselves in this situation. 
And I was like, all right, I mean, you can only learn so much from scare tactics. So I wanted to find positive roadmaps of athletes. And I've always been pretty frugal. I mean, people used to call me cheap on the team. So I just kind of put a spin on the word and, you know, frugal is efficient. So I want to share roadmaps of athletes that have been efficient and frugal with their careers, both from a capital perspective, but also career management and personal decision standpoint as well. I love that, man. Like just being a frugal athlete, because I, I mean, you all come up from different areas. And like, regardless of why people spend money, it's like interesting because it's, it's rooted in different things. Sometimes you can have always tell people like you get to NFL, it's like, all right, don't spend money. Don't do this. Like, that's what yeah. they tell us. Right. But it's like you get there and guys, it's like this is all they've been waiting for. Like, this Facts. is this is kind of it. And it's it's just really based on like what just sheer willpower. Like, I don't spend it. I don't know what to do. It's like yeah. I've been waiting to do this. Right. So, like, that's why I love the idea of the frugal athlete where you're talking about education, preparation and a level of empowering the athlete Facts. for them to be able to, you know, lift the weight themselves and not kind of lean on you know, a financial advisor or whatever case would be, not to say that professional services aren't great because that's still good, but knowing, like having a conversation with a coach that you can like talk to out of eyes a lot different than just what are you going to say before you go out there? So like kind of having that that background in the financial services when there's somebody that's given it from a unique standpoint. What impact are you trying to make with the frugal athlete? So for me, I'm trying to let athletes know that they have leverage. And leverage is the most important thing that you need to have as an athlete, not only while you're playing, but uh, after you're done playing. You know, a lot of times you see players, and then I know you've seen it in the NFL, where they sign the first deal that comes to them because their pockets are low or they find themselves in a unique, unfortunate situation. But when you're good with your money, when you're good with your career decisions, you have more leverage to make clearer, sound, and quality decisions on your life. And, you know, it gives you more power, it gives you more freedom and gives you more stability. And um, whether that's through the information we share or the content or the courses that we have, it's all about leverage. And, you know, that starts with making smarter career decisions and making very smart financial decisions, you know, with the capital that you have. Because as an athlete, you have a unique head start. You know, you're making uh, a good amount of money at a very young age while your peers are doing entry-level jobs and or doing grad school and, you know, finding themselves in uh, further debt where if you take advantage of the compound interest of the decisions you make now, um, you'll be good long after you're done playing, whenever that is. I love that you put that where you just talk about leverage, right? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> just going through the football ecosystem, even here at Blue Chip Academy, the idea is to like create desirable assets so you have leverage when you're going to schools and you're making the right decisions. Like, like make sure that you're like setting the table or setting the chessboard in your favor. So you have exactly. leverage because like everything in the sports game, the odds are against you, regardless if you make it or not. Talk about in the NFL, 26% of the players make it five accredited seasons and they make their money off the other 74 that just kind of get in maybe one day here, one day, two weeks here. And, yeah. and it keeps that bottom line keeps going up, but you know, more and more players are kind of fluctuated out because, because of the way that it happens or not having leverage in the situation because you have to build up as you go. So like here at Blue yeah. Ship Academy, we try to get that ingrained in high school when these guys are hearing, like, what is it? You're going to college and you're picking different schools. Like, what is the college ecosystem looking like? Well, I listened to a movie. He said, like, this is what I would do at UCLA. <laughs> Maybe a player is looking at UCLA a little bit different and seeing an opportunity that they can create leverage for themselves, right? That's mm-hmm. getting in the captain seat. And that's like the only benefit that you can have in the sports ecosystem. So I, I love that you said leverage, man. That's all I, yeah, I love that. No, always tell you, you so much. Yeah, no doubt. I always tell young players, like, depending on their size, they should really consider soccer, right? Like, just... Yeah, most definitely. Just, like, 
it's like the base for all the sports. If you want to be good at football, if you want to be good at basketball, soccer will help you for sure. hundred percent. What are some key traits for young athletes that they should possess to try their hand at soccer? Uh, footwork for sure. And then, um, um, like I would say mental fortitude because, uh, you just have to have the mindset that you may not get better right away, but you're going to get better eventually. Um, footwork for sure. Balance is another one. Um, you could be, uh, strong as an ox. Uh, you could be quick as a rabbit, but if you have balance, you have a little bit of both. Um, and then just being able to, you know, read the game. That's it, man. You talk about that balance. That's big. We just overall athleticism. We talk about guys being under control. You yeah. talk about that with receivers, different guys like that. I'm trying to think of like what positions would be great at making that transition because it's probably, I mean, do you have to be like speed wise, like straightforward? Is it more about lateral movement and just control? Yeah, it's a combination of both. Yeah, sometimes you're going to have to be in an open sprint, but it's all about uh, being smart around um, your movements. You know, you got to go up, back, side to side, diagonal, uh, jump, fall down, get up. So it's a, a bunch of different movements that you have to always get ready for. Most definitely. So one thing we say here at the Blue Chip Academy is that you know, use sports as a catalyst to a career that you can bank on. So for athletes aspiring to get into entrepreneurship, what are some action steps that they can take or still take while they're playing? I would say read, you know, get your information up first and foremost. There's a couple of books out there that I would hi- highly recommend, Traction being one of them, um, and just read. And then from there, start because everyone has a great idea. But if you don't start, it's going to be trial and error. You know, you got to fail forward. I think that's the biggest thing. And then go from there. I love that. Fail forward. And I do like Traction. That's a great book. If you're trying to get into entrepreneurial lifestyle and different things like that, good balance and you're getting your traction and everything moving forward. So what do you see the frugal athlete 10 years from now? Hopefully we're going to have a collaboration with you at some point. Uh, But frugal athlete 10 years from now, I think we're going to be like the combination or combination of Players Tribune, Business Insider and Penny Hoarder, where you come to frugal athlete and it's a one stop shop of all financial literacy, all personal finance, all money management information just from an athlete lens. So, you know, athletes are natural trendsetters. So if athletes can talk about financial literacy, uh, I don't want to say make it cool, but make it more appeasing to learn. Um, we're able to share more about, you know, some of the things that we want to provide. Uh, we're not going to be catered strictly and solely to athletes, but we're going to use the athlete sports lens to, you know, kind of get our point across as it pertains to different financial literacy topics, different financial literacy themes, and hopefully, you know, spread the good word, spread the good gospel as it pertains to, you know, personal finance. Absolutely. That's amazing. We'll definitely have an LIG Sports Group Blue Chip Academy by Frugal Athlete stuff coming up because it's all about creating leverage, being a desirable aspect, desirable asset throughout this whole football ecosystem, sports ecosystem. And using sports as a catalyst to a career that you can bank on. So I really just thank you, Amobi, from the Frugal Athlete coming on and just sharing his journey through soccer, right? Like, that's a little bit different mm-hmm. from football, but, like, the, the thing is the journey to success is still intentional, right? Like, understanding that you have to have your ducks in a row, understand that you have to be mature in your sport, understanding that it's not just about the physical aspect, it's also about the mental of the game. Understand where you're trying to go and take advantage of this unique standpoints and the unique road that you're traveling right that you can bank on that you can set yourself up for your transition out of the out of the game right Amobi made some great points just about entrepreneurship and what you need to do while you're still playing and like knowing yourself understanding that there's benefits to being frugal once we talk about 
capitalizing all the time. We talk about capitalizing, getting there. But once you get there, right? Like even myself, I got to the NFL, and you know, there's still stuff that's that's new, right? You you dive in, you like everything you can buy, you start getting and different things of that nature. But understanding that that education and protection and just for yourself can empower and give you leverage for their future. So really appreciate that. You guys like, subscribe that. We'll leave the the link to the Frugal Athlete. They have some courses on there for you guys to take. First five mistakes uh, um, rookies make and some other things on there. And you guys check that out. Like and subscribe this video. And again, we've got the Recruiting and Football Business Masterclass that we'll put in the link below. And again, just thank you, Moby, for coming on and sharing your Blueprints of success, man. Very insightful and very interesting. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, uh, thank you so much for having me. And I know we'll be in touch soon. Most definitely, man. Have a good one. And thank you, guys. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Blue Chip Academy. To help navigate the recruiting waters, LIG Sports Group put together a Blue Chip Recruiting Checklist. Download your checklist at LIGsports.com Blue Chip Academy to ensure you're making informed decisions through this process. Hit subscribe and check out the LIG Sports Group Football Ops Recruiting YouTube channel, where we'll talk about the recruiting and other critical points in the football ecosystem. If you're feeling stressed, confused, or just want help putting together a blue chip blueprint for you and your son, don't hesitate to book a console call with me at LIGsports.com backslash Blue Chip Academy. Remember, everyone has a different journey. Keep sharpening and remember that you can only go to one school. Just make sure that you have your blue chip blueprint together and execute it. Life is good.